They will replace you in 2.2 seconds and not think twice about it. And I think when I realized that lesson the hard way, if you catch my drift, I think that's when I realized, number one, I was like, I would never ever again tie like my work to a job. That's when I realized I was like, a job does not define who you are. You define who you are. And that was like a lesson I think I needed to learn. It was like, I am the CEO of Crystal Tape. I am not editor at such and such. I am not editor at such and such. I am not writer at such. A, I am Crystal Tape. And that's who I bring. I, I, you know what I'm saying? I know what I bring to the table. And regardless of whether someone recognizes what I bring or not, that doesn't define who I am at the end of the day. And that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Crystal Tate is a fabulous fashion and beauty editor based in New York City. She's worked and contributed to several publications, including, but not limited to, Women's Day Magazine, Racked, Allure, Essence, Hello Beautiful, and Women's Health. She is also a talented copywriter who has worked for companies like Net-A-Porte. I had the pleasure of meeting Crystal back in the day when we were students at Howard University, and it's truly been a pleasure to watch her steady ascent in the industry. In this episode, Crystal shares key lessons from her extensive career as an editor, tips for crafting the perfect editorial pitch, the importance of diversity in the fashion industry, and mustering up the courage to take the leap, both as an entrepreneur and the CEO of your own life. Check it out. Hello. Oh, how are you? Okay, Queen. Hold on a sec. Let me look at the hair. Oh my gosh. Oh my hold I, I messed am- up my screen. Hold oh. on a second. Oh my gosh. Don't even start. I the funny thing about it, I actually just got my hair done for the very first time. <laughs> Since COVID hit like a week ago. Uh how did it feel to be to be in that chair to feel the the fingers like was it amazing i'm living vicariously through wait so first off that's so funny you say that because just having someone else wash my hair was like a gift in itself like i don't think i realized like how much i needed that and like how much i missed that so it was <sighs> like the self-care i didn't know i needed <laughs> i cannot wait i cannot wait i've yet to sit in the chair again. Like yes, this is all, you person. know, lace. <laughs> you know, you have to do what you have to do. Huh. Yeah, I, I wore braids for majority of quarantine because it was just easy. I didn't have to think about it. And then it had been, oh my gosh, probably close to six months that I had braids in. And I was like, I need to give my hair a break. I need to get it washed. I need to get it trimmed. And so, yes, I went last weekend for the first time since. You oh. look great. It's late, honey. I'm like, yes, I love it. It's a week old. So for you to say that is the best compliment. Rapping, like, girl. You've been rapping it. I don't, I don't know. Oh, yes. I, oh, I rap. <laughs> I, use my, I use my silk scarf. I use my silk pillowcase. I use my bonnet. I don't play those games. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm just so thrilled to see you. And I'm so glad that you are on the show because Aww, just knowing you. you for gosh years and just seeing how <laughs> our days at Howard H you you know I we gotta do, do it we gotta know. do it we gotta do it um just seeing just your growth and your career and just you know just the the sustainability too just being in it like so many people don't have the longevity that you do so this is it's really great to to hear more about your journey and and just some of the amazing skill sets that you have in this industry and all that you contribute to it. So thank you. Oh my God. Thank you for inviting me. I don't even feel like I deserve to be on. You better get out of here. Mm -mm. I don't 
even feel like I deserve to be on this platform. I was when I was listening, I think I emailed you and I was listening to the episode, some of you know, your previous episode. Yeah. And I was like, she I was like, she interviewed Bevy. Oh, I am not worthy. <laughs> Bevy is everything. Bevy, we love you. Um, she's yes, amazing and and just has always been such a staple in the industry, just across the board. And it was a dream come true. It really was. Exactly. So when I saw <laughs> Bevy was on, I said, I am not worthy. Oh, but you are, but you are, you know, they're so, you know. There's only there's only so many you know black and brown faces in this industry, especially mm-hmm. um, those who have over you know a decade of experience, mm-hmm. who have really been in the game, you know, giving it their all, learning, um, opening doors for the next generation, um, and just really building a career. Like you have always been in the mix, and and you know, like Women's Day, hey hey, you know, like those days, oh my god, so. Let you know. Let's start from the beginning. So, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yes, I am originally from Detroit. I grew up in Detroit, Motown. Uh, Everybody, like I swear on this podcast, like so many fashion people from Detroit. I mean, I say it all. That it's just mind blowing how many, especially black people from Detroit are in fashion and creative industries. So like, did you grow up seeing like fashion or beauty or like, how did you get in? Like what was inspiration? It's so first off, it's so funny you say that because in addition to you, I know a lot of people from Detroit that work in the fashion and creative industries in general. And even majority of my friends that live in New York city are from the Detroit area. How that happened, don't ask. Um, so we are out here and we're out here in like like full display. Like we are completely, you know, prevalent in this world. Um, but it's so funny you say that because one thing I will say about growing up in Detroit, and I'm sure you've heard this before. And this, I'm going back to like the 90s because like I grew up in the 90s, you know, early 2000s in Detroit. And like, it was like getting dressed and going out in Detroit is it's an occasion. Anytime you step out, like you're dressed, like from head to toe, it's an occasion. Like, you know, and I'm sure you've heard about like the guys wearing, and again, this we're talking in the nineties, but the guys wearing like the gators, yep. wearing like the Cartier glasses, you know, women and men are wearing minks to dinner just to go to dinner. They're throwing <laughs> on a mink. Wow. <laughs> Like, no, that is Detroit, like in that, during that time, not saying that's Detroit today, but that was Detroit during that time. So fashion surrounded me by default of growing up in Detroit, Michigan. Wow. And the colors and the textures. Yes, yes, yes. And then also, which of course, you know, Kirsten, I was going to say, but you know, the black community, like church Mm -hmm. is a big thing. So Mm -hmm. I remember like watching my grandmother, I was like, oh my gosh, like, six, seven years old, watching my grandmother, like, you know, put on like her pearls and put on her hat and put on her suit. Like, like, I mean, she looked as if she was going to a wedding every Sunday, you know? And so again, so watching her get dressed for church was like, that was an occasion in itself. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of things that influenced me. I think as a child, like that, I didn't even realize influenced me as a child. And then I can even remember in high school, because probably high school, well, middle school, but definitely high school is when I first like really started caring about my appearance and how I dressed and looked. And I can remember like, you know, always going to the mall. Every time I went to the mall, it was like to buy a new outfit. And, I love it. <laughs> no, like legitimately, it was to buy a new outfit or to buy a shirt or to buy some jeans or what have you. Like where I was getting this money from, I don't know. I guess my- Make it happen. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, with that being said, I I can even remember when I was in high school, like keeping track of what I wore each day to school. What? So you were editing, like you, you were already like an editor at a very young, you're like, okay, we're tracking the looks, like we're, we're tracking the trends. Like we did, we did black last week. We're going to focus on this trend this week. Right. No. And here's the thing. It was like, like, cause I used to keep journals in high school. And so like, it would be my journal, like of how my day went. And then I would say, I wore my 
pair of suko jeans with oh. my cream sweater and my, no, I would literally like write out what I wore. Oh my God. I live for this. <laughs> oh my but God. At, but at that time, I didn't think anything of it. But of course now looking back, I'm like, I was already kind of like headed in that direction and didn't realize it at the time. It was just what I did. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. Like I can remember what, you know, back in, back in those days, music videos were big. Oh my remember, God. I can remember watching music videos and like being like, okay, I'm going to copy Monica's look mm. from the boy is mine, which I literally copied Monica's look from the boy is mine. I have chills. I have chills. I, I, I want to go through all of your photos and like, I, I feel like we need to like document these outfits and like, I, I I mean, there, you know, back then you, I was going to say, co- you know, you went to like CVS and like printed your picture. So unfortunately there's not really a digital <laughs> history of them, but Oh, there are photos for days, like albums for days, like at wow. my, at my house back in Detroit. Though so the photos are there, but they're just, they're not digital. So I have to like go back and actually. <laughs> it's <transport> them. <laughs> I, need to write, I need to probably go next time I go home, I should probably like document them and like uh, put them in like a scrapbook. And then I love it. Yes. Yes, the archive. Go home. Yes, create like a like create a photo album archive of like myself as a child. It's just so crazy to see that you were already doing it, and then you you went to Howard University. I went to Howard University. (sighs) Illustrious. (laughs) I know you guys. You guys are going to get sick of me on this podcast anytime I say Howard. I get really hyped. Best decision ever. Best oh. institution ever. Kirsten. So side note, yes. I always tell people, I always say the only decision that I never regret is where I went to where I went to college. I would make that decision again and again and again if you allowed me to like go back and repeat history. I would make the same decision again and again to go to Howard University. That was the best decision I made in my entire life. The best. The, the best. best. <laughs> I love it. And you study what? What did you study? I, I studied journalism. And why? What? Like, what was the the decision behind that? Was it wait, something? Wait, wait, what did you study? Were you Were you PR? I was international business. Oh, I didn't. But really you know, know, I had a lot of communications friends, and then I was always, um, you know, hanging out, you know, and some of the internships and things, you know. Right. We oh. all sort of blended together. That is so cool. Um, But yes, I was a journalism major. When I chose that major, my career dream was actually to work for a television station. I, yeah, I actually wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to be a reporter and eventually become an anchor. That was my goal initially. Um, And then I interned at a television station in Washington, D.C. And it wasn't the best experience. I didn't really enjoy it. And I, and I also realized that I didn't like covering hard news. Like I actually was out in the field with the reporters as an intern and we're like covering this fire that happened up the street. And I was like, whoa, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> and so, so that was the beginning of the pivot. And I said, I was like, and it was my junior year. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to change my major. And I was like, well, what else am I interested in that I could use this journalism major for? And then that's when I began to um, think about magazines. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I would love to be a magazine editor. Like I'm a good writer. You know, the the topics tend to be more lighthearted. It's like, you know, wellness and fashion and beauty and lifestyle and travel. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I would be really great at that. And so I then took this turn into pursuing a career in the magazine industry. And that became my new career goal. That, that is quite amazing. What was your first, uh, your first editorial job, your first magazine job? My first magazine job was at, was at Woman's Day. Yes. And you were there for, yes, for a while. Yes. (laughs) I was, I started there, um, you know, fresh out of college. I I got the position, uh, fresh out of college. And I moved here. I always like to tell people this. I moved to New York City without an apartment. I had a job offer and no apartment. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. And I said, oh, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. 
You're so entrepreneurial. That's what entrepreneurs do. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to move and, you know, see like, what I'll figure it out. And thank wow. goodness for my line sister. Um, I'm a proud member of Alpha Chapter, Alpha Chapter, mm. Alpha Sword mm. Incorporated. Okay, now. <laughs> so thank, just like our VP. Just Uh-oh. like our VP. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was going to say, thank goodness for my line sister who had already secured a job in New York, like prior to graduation. She And she worked in banking. So her salary compared to mine was right. like, <laughs> I mean, I'm making pennies. She's like, you know, going out to dinner every night, you know? So yes. with that being said, uh, she was like, just stay at my place. Like, take your time, find an apartment. You don't have to pay me anything. Just stay in my apartment. You're fine. And that's what I did until I found my own place. Well, I found a place with roommates initially. Uh, huh. Didn't we all? <laughs> New York City. Okay. Like <sighs> starting out entry level, you're most likely getting a place with roommates unless you work in banking. And, you know, really in comparison to so many other aspects of fashion, like magazines were pretty low on the salary spectrum in comparison to like the retail buying and the merchandise, even, even, even some like retail store jobs (laughs) were paying more than the folks in magazines, you know? If I, which I won't tell you, but if I nope, told, nope, nope, don't do I it. told you the I remember. salary <laughs> that I accepted, you would look at me like I was crazy right now. Yeah. And I look at my younger self like I was crazy too. <laughs> um, but that's how real the dream was for me. Yeah. I just yeah. have a dream. And I said, I'll, I'll make it work. I'll, I'll move up eventually. And that was kind of like what I did. Um, and yeah, and I know you mentioned I had been there a while. I was, I was there for almost six years and, but yeah, and I moved. So I started as like an editorial assistant. I was promoted to assistant editor, like not even, it wasn't even a full year. It was like nine months later, I was promoted to assistant editor. Then I think about a year after that, I was promoted to associate editor. And then we had a new editor in chief that came in and I will always be grateful to her for this. Um, but she came in and she was, you know, in the process of kind of restructuring departments and, you know, bringing in new people, um, and, you know, switching things around a little bit. And I was actually working in the articles and features department at the time. So I did that for like my first two, two and a half years at, um, the magazine. And then she came in and she said, she, so I was gonna say back then we all had offices. Can you believe it? Like now no one has an office. I mean, now we all work from home, but prior to that, we were all in like open floor plans um, Mm -hmm. in our office. I had an office. I was like 24 years old with my Yes. Yes. I had one at Lord and Taylor in the fashion office way back when. Remember? I remember (laughs) coming to Lord and Taylor to get, well, I was going to say samples, but they technically weren't samples. We would literally borrow clothes on the floor for photo shoots and then bring them back. And bring them on back. Yeah, my actual office. So we had the the room where we would do the polls. Right. And the actual office. I actually had an office with like a door and and oh, you could go out and see see the street and and also Bryant Park. I mean, I just. I, I mean, I haven't seen an office uh, an office like that since. But <laughs> exactly, I have not. My best office I had, I think I was twenty four, twenty five. And yes. I have not seen an office like that since. If you guys insane. treasure it, okay? Treasure like, it. If, um, like, if, if only we knew then what we know now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I would have so many IG photos. I mean, oh my this goodness. is probably, yeah, this, oh, God. What, this was before the IG days. Oh, oh this goodness. is before the IG days. Absolutely. Oh. We were on Facebook. We were on Facebook. Yes. And that was it. <laughs> and Twitter. No, we were on Facebook and Twitter. And Twitter. Yeah. And Twitter. That is so wild. Oh my God. So, you know, I'm curious, you know, over time at Women's Day, like what was the learning curve like? Like, like, was it just something you, you're thrown into and you figure out or, or, you know, was there a training? Was there someone who had to sort of guide you along the way with the editorial process? Yeah, no, definitely. So I, when I first started, I was reporting to um, one of the senior editors um, and the features editor at the time. And yeah, they pretty much 
yeah, like you said, train me and walk me through like all the steps. That was probably like my first couple weeks of being there. But I caught on pretty quickly to their process and their systems. And yeah, once I like once I caught on, it was like full steam ahead pretty much for the entire time I was there. Um, but yeah, like I mentioned earlier, so when we had this new editor-in-chief start, her name um, is Elizabeth Mayhew. Um, and she came in, she comes to my office and she was, she asked if she could speak to me and, you know, an editor in chief coming to your office, like, can I speak to you? It's either good news or bad news. So I was yeah. like, let me <laughs> break myself. Black. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> right, so I said, let me break myself. So I, I braced myself mentally. Um, and then she basically said to me, she was like, you know, cause she had been there probably like maybe two, three weeks at that point. Um, but mind you, it, had, it hadn't even been a full month that she had been working with me. And she's like, you know, I've been, I've been watching you around the office. And she was like, and you seem like you would be much better suited in the fashion department. And I was just wondering if that's something you'd be interested in. You're so, like, she was like, I think you do a great job. You're so stylish. And I just think she was like, there's an opening in that department. And I just think you would do, you, you would do you would do great in that department. And I was like, absolutely 100%. Because that's like actually what I truly wanted to do. I wanted to work in the beauty and fashion department, but I was trying to figure out how to navigate that, that's, you know, switch into that world. And then that was the beginning of the story into beauty and fashion. And that is where my career continued up until today. That is wild. So you were, you know, so you were there at Women's Day, mm-hmm. and then you you would go on to be a contributor, like a fashion. No, then I went. No, then I left Women's Day, and I went to a startup website. Oh, the startup! I went to a startup fashion site, and I actually was brought in to head up the startup site. Oh my god! What was that transition like? Were you essentially, you know, showing the team the way? You know, because you have all these like years of experience Mm -hmm. I I went in and I was managing a team of five wow um and I I had previous like when I was at Women's Day I was the intern supervisor and so even though like I didn't technically have a team under me there I was the intern supervisor and because we were you know working in fashion and beauty we we had so much we had so many interns and so much work that had to be done by interns from, you know, checking in samples, returning samples, calling in products, organizing the closet, you name it. I mean, we had so much that we had to accomplish, um, and, you know, helping us set up for like uh, run throughs, you name it. Ooh. They were helping us do it. Pack boxes, uh, <sighs> yes. send, send out the messenger request, you know, <laughs> pick up messenger request. So, so, and we would, I feel like any given time we would have at least two to three interns in rotation and I was the supervisor over them. So I already had managerial experience from supervising our interns. And yeah, so then I went to the startup fashion site and, um, yeah, I was, like I said, managing a team of five and I was essentially brought in to lead, lead the site. And I did that for a little over two years. And then after that, that's when I started contributing. I yes. love it. I love it. I mean, you've done you've you've done it all when it comes to writing, like writing, editing. Like, I mean, just it, you're you're you have the journalism degree from Howard. You got. I, I mean, I would say you have some TV under your belt as well. Wait, you know, then why would you say that? TV training. You know, like you know the whole broadcasting thing. You know, well, yes, you know what I to do. do. I do. And actually, when I, and the funny thing about it, when I was at the startup site, I actually used to do original videos for the startup site. So love you do it all. I've done a little bit of everything in this industry to be completely honest with you. You know, I'm curious, like over just from all, like all the things you've done, like what are some of the key lessons that you sort of learned through that trajectory? What, what's something that really sticks out? Like, when you look back and you're like, wow, like that was a great lesson. Mm, I would probably, I mean, there's, there's so many, lessons, so many, yeah. but I mean, I guess I would say never, never take any opportunity for granted. Hmm. That's definitely one. Um, another one really key one for me is 
they will replace you in 2.2 seconds and not Mm. think twice about it. Mm. And I think when I realized that lesson the hard way, Mm -hmm. if you catch my drift, yes, yes. I learned that lesson the hard way. So many. Uh, You you will be replaced in 2.2 seconds and they won't think twice about it. Um, I think that's when I realized, um, number one, I was like, I would never, ever again tie like my worth to a Mm. job. Wow. That's when I realized I was like, a job does not define who you are. You define who you are. Wow. And that was like a lesson I think I needed to learn. It was like, I am the CEO of Crystal Tate. I am not, you know, editor at such and such. I am not editor at such and such. I am not writer at such. A, I am Crystal Tate. And I, you know what I'm saying? And that's who I bring. I, I, you know what I'm saying? I know what I bring to the table. And regardless mm. of whether someone recognizes what I bring to huh. the table or not, that doesn't define who I am at the end of the day. And that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Um, well, you just ministered to my soul, and I'm pretty sure that you're ministering to uh, our audience as well. I think that is so important and just such a great reminder, especially in an industry like fashion that can be very flashy, very glamorous. You know, some people take it differently when they actually make it in or get their foot in the door and then sort of feel this bravado and the ego can kind of, you know, get in the way. And, and, especially if you're a person of color, there aren't very many. So once you're in there, you're kind of like, Hey, so if something does happen to where you move on or go and do something else or take a break to have kids, for example, sometimes people get lost in the identity. Like I'm not doing that anymore. Who am I? Exactly. Yes. We often you we often allow our careers to define who we are. But our careers don't define who we are. And again, I used to think that when, you know, five years ago, I thought my career defined who I was. And then once I realized that it didn't, that I defined who I defined who I was, that's when I feel like I was like, oh, no. I love it. I I love it. I actually went through that as well. When I left New York, I was like, oh, my God, who am I? Like, but it's like, I'm a fashion girl always. Like I, I just, it never goes away. Exactly. You start questioning yourself. You start questioning your abilities. Like there were times I, I thought about leaving the industry, you know, a couple of times. Um, and then I was like, no, <laughs> I enjoy doing I bring something valuable. Yes. I have the voice, you know, I have the skill set. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. And I love it. I'm here for it. I live, I live. And I think, you know, sometimes when people hear editorial, like fashion journalism, they're kind of like, what? Like, are are they just, you know, writing about like their shopping experience? Like, I think people don't always see the connection to journalism. How would you describe it through your work? Like, what is fashion journalism? And do you think, I mean, do you think there's a difference in terms of like, you know, copy editing versus um, fashion journalism or just how it fits into the realm of journalism as a whole? Like, is it journalism? You know, people question that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I think people that question it, they don't, like you said, they just don't understand it. Um, and because essentially fashion journalism is still journalism. It's just told through the lens of fashion. So you're reporting on pieces, like maybe you're reporting on a designer's collection. Maybe you're talking about the latest trends, you know, of the season or of next season, you know, maybe you're possibly delving into like fashion history and talking about the evolution of street style, the evolution. I mean, you know, that's just obviously an example, but there's, I mean, there's so many, um, amazing stories that, you know, have been told and that will continue to be told in the fashion, um, you know, industry. And I think, so I think again, journalism is, I mean, fashion journalism is still journalism. It's just told through, like I said, that lens of fashion. I love that. Do you have any favorites? I got to ask. Any favorite what pieces? Like fashion writers or editors? Oh, oh yes. You're like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, say, I can name her in 2.2 seconds. She's probably my favorite and has always been my favorite fashion writer, Robin Gavon. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom. I mean, 
whenever I read a piece by Robin, it's just like, I, I mean, I get chills. I'm like, this is why this woman is like a Pulitzer Prize winning and the exactly. only. I think she's the only criticism. Pulitzer Prize winner that like covers fashion. Beyond. I Once she's on this show, hey, Robin, hey, girl, you know, she's in my neck of the woods. I'm literally just pick up my ashes from the floor because right, right, she is, right. I mean, her, I writing, <laughs> her writing is like, ah, like it's amazing. Phenomenal. She did a really, really good piece the day after the inauguration. I believe it went up the day after the inauguration. Oh, I mean, she, all of her pieces are incredible. They're amazing. I, I, the most recent one I can think of, I think she did a really good piece. Um, it was the day after the inauguration. Well, she's just, I mean, you know, she's a big wig now, you know, covering multiple beats. So, you know, when she gives us fashion gems now, we treasure them even more so. That is amazing. So would you say that your your studies at Howard actually helped you become like a better editor and writer? Like, is the training necessary in your opinion? Absolutely. I definitely think the training is necessary. Um, yeah, I mean, cause it, it helped me develop my, I mean, granted a lot of my skills I've developed throughout my career, but I do think that Howard set me up for that success. Like I was contributing to the Howard university Hilltop newspaper while I was at Howard, you know? So like I was actually writing articles while I was still in college. So that prepared me to be able to write articles when I started, you know, in the, in, in the industry. Um, you know, I had internships where I was writing, um, I had an internship at BT where I was writing for BT.com at that time, you know, I think I was a sophomore, um, at Howard. So yeah, like my internships and definitely my journalism courses at Howard absolutely 100% helped me succeed in this industry. Um, for sure. For yeah, sure. Knowing how to put a sentence together, you guys properly, will help you. And on that note, <laughs> I have a question. There's so many people like uh, the top question is, okay, what is the best way to successfully pitch to an editor? Like, what are you guys looking for? Like what makes a really great pitch? Obviously different publications have different r- requirements, but from your experience, what makes a great pitch? Um, I would definitely say number one, when it's something that like I haven't seen before. Um, and one, and one thing I have always, um, felt is that like, if you're trying to pitch a product, send the sample, like versus sending an email that describes the product and shows me a picture of it and say, Hey, would you like to try a sample? Just send the product because I may see the picture and be like, "Mm, not interested or just not respond. But if you send me the sample and it's amazing, I may be like, oh my gosh, we have to feature, you know, this and X, Y, Z. I can't tell you. I can remember when I used to be in charge of the gift guide, which the gift guide is always a huge thing at any publication. I used to be in charge of the gift guide at Women's Day when I um, contributed to Essence. I used to do their online gift guides. So, and I can remember a lot of times it was people who had sent me samples just on their own. And I would be like, oh my gosh, we have to feature this. This is so cool. So yes, because I used to, like I said, work on the gift guide for Women's Day. I also used to do online gift guides for Essence.com. And I can remember like any of those um, like really unique products that were sent to me that just caught my eye. Those usually were the ones that I would pitch to like, the editors and say like, this is what we should feature. This is what we should, you know, include. Um, and yeah, I was gonna say, so I just think that's like really important to send samples if it's a product. Um, and then also I would say, I know a lot of people, sometimes they, especially when they're first starting out, they're like, oh, they feel like they need a publicist to like help them, you know, get that press. You can, if you do it correctly, you can essentially be your own publicist. Uh Oh, <laughs> All it takes is is a proper pitch, right? All it takes <laughs> is a properly crafted email sent to the correct person at the publication. The, that's you know, if you have a, a a jury line that you're trying to pitch, you know, then you find that fashion editor or that accessories editor at the magazine or at the website that you love to see your jury in, and you find their email. I mean, with Google, you can find anything. So. You find their email, you reach out to them, 
and you and send them the product. Send them the email and just let them know, hey, the package is on the way. Let me know what you think when you get it. And keep I love it. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Just go for it. And then I would also I always say and then follow up because there were definitely times that I can remember in the past where um, publicists would follow up with me, or you know, it could be like an entrepreneur, a, a you know, mom and pop shop that would like follow up with me, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like. I forgot to, you know, respond. Check it out. So yeah. I forgot to respond. And then that began, you know, a conversation. And wow. A lot of times they ended up getting featured. If it, you know, if we liked it, if we thought it was great, we would feature them. Podcasts are awesome. And I know you love them too, or you wouldn't be here right now. But have you ever thought about starting your own? Don't worry, you don't have to be a techie. But you do need a bit of guidance so you don't make costly mistakes. My name is Sunny, and I've been podcasting for a long time. I've launched more than 15 profitable podcasts, and I'm the founder of the Independent Podcast Network. My online course, How to Launch Your Profitable Podcast in 30 Days, gives you the keys to the five P's of podcasting, which is everything you need to launch and grow a successful podcast. You get unlimited access to more than 35 videos and dozens of handouts. And when you purchase my course, you're also supporting this awesome podcast because they're getting 50% of the money when you use their special link. How cool is that? Let me help you get started with your podcast. Go to podcastsareawesome.com slash fashion. That's podcastsareawesome.com slash fashion. I love it. I will be following up on some emails today. Thank you for the reminder, Crystal. Yes, yes, follow, up. <laughs> follow up is so key because the thing is we all get busy and not only yeah. that, but especially as an editor, you're sometimes getting hundreds of emails a day. So I may only have time to look at 30 of them, 40 of them. So I may not get around to the other, you know, half in my inbox that day. Well, do you like the long emails where they're giving you essays or do you prefer that people keep it? No, short and sweet. (laughs) Short and sweet is always best in my opinion. I used to hate those. I'd be like, oh God, here we go. Like, especially if it wasn't like uh, personalized mm-hmm. either, or if it had your name correct and then like the wrong publication, you're just like, oh, that happened many of times. Like I can remember, yeah, receiving a pitch and then it wouldn't have my correct name or my name would be mis- misspelled. Or like you said, they would maybe say, we love to see this featured in X publication, but I don't work <laughs> for X publication, you yeah. know? And so- yeah, so definitely <laughs> double check everything before you hit send. I love it. I love it. Um, so, you know, the editorial calendar, how can people find one so they can be like in sync with what the editor is working on and thinking? And like, where do people go to even just see who the right people are? Um, again, I was going to say, a lot of the stuff you can find some, there are some publications that actually like list out, like they will have a list like of their staff, like their editorial staff. Um, Hello, British Vogue. All the emails are there. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there are some where they literally have it completely listed out, you know, on yeah. their website somewhere. You may have to like search, but a lot of, there are a lot of publications and websites that have the whole staff listed. Um, so sometimes it's as easy as that. Other times, like I said, it may take a little research, Googling, um, and then, yeah, as far as the editorial calendar, even though you may not be able to find, get access to their editorial calendar that most likely is, you know, is this internal document um, that you probably wouldn't be able to find. Um, I will say the one key thing is knowing like who you're, like if you're trying to pr- pitch to a magazine, magazines tend to work three to six months in advance. So mm-hmm. I was, I was actually having a conversation with someone recently who was mentioning how she would love to be like featured um, and the holiday issue of a, of a particular, you know, publication, I was like, Oh, I was like, well, you need to start working on your pitch in like the next few months. Like, even though it's, it's, it's the beginning of February, so. you need to start working on your pitch now because they're going to be working on the, that December issue in a few months. Yeah. Um, so that's one key thing. Whereas like, if you're pitching it to a website, they're not going to be working on their holiday coverage until October. No, <laughs> yeah. so then you with them, okay, you can wait till you know 
September and maybe pitch them. August, August or September, maybe, you know, even October, you probably could still pitch a website. Um, but, you know, print, you'd be way too late. They'd be now working on spring. So it's just, yeah. So knowing like who you're pitching to and just, I mean, there's certain things that publications are always going to cover. Like they're always going to likely do holiday coverage. Yes. They're always likely going to do something, you know, some summer blowout story. Um, you know, there's just certain things that just, they just going to happen every year. Um, yeah, health, health and wellness in January. Yes. <laughs> yes like rewrite, reset, reset your year. Yes. You know, <laughs> good, good so there's certain things you're, you're always going to see. Um, Absolutely. So just be mindful because you because you could even look at like their published links from the prior year and get a sense of what they cover. And most likely the next year, unless someone new came in to head it up and they're like revamping, most likely they're doing very similar content the next year. That's a great tip. That's thank you, Crystal. And I, just, and I just came up with that off the top of my head, but. <laughs> Trust me, like we actually just did uh, where I currently work. We just did this huge bridal story and we did one around this time last year. Wow. So just, huh. just letting you know, like a lot of times uh, there, those stories will be covered, you know, around like travel, usually in the spring and summer, they're doing travel stories, most publications. So yeah, you could, like I said, if there's one, you know, you want to target. I would say, look back at like those links from the previous year. What did they do last May. What did they do last June? What did they do last July? And then you could kind of be ahead of the curve and say, okay, let me get on that. This is so good. (laughs) Just be resourceful. Be resourceful. There is, there is a plethora of information on the, on the internet. I, I just always say be resourceful. Like most likely you can find it yourself. And even if you can't, you can kind of sort of find it. <laughs> figure it out. You can always figure it out. You know, and speaking of resourcefulness, you know, I want to get into the diversity that we see taking place in the fashion industry. There's so many editorial appointments, black women, I mean, CFDA, I mean, you know, all, of the, all of these magazines, mm-hmm. you know, directors, I mean, who, who would have thought, you know, years ago, I mean, you were I mean, you were a mover and shaker in your own space. Like getting that title is major. Title. I mean, you are, I mean, being a fashion editor, like actually being the one to make the decisions and like be in the boss chair, you know, like that, that was such, you know, it's such a big deal. And, and just seeing it happen, like over and over again right now, like Black Lives Matter, woohoo, you know, like during this time and seeing people promoted to those leadership positions is just like mind blowing. So I'm just curious, like from your point of view, like what are your thoughts on, you know, the expanding um, diversity and, you know, obviously there's, you know, still a ways to go. But I mean, the Vogue issue that I saw in September looked like an Essence magazine with all that, all the advertisements. And I was just like, oh my God, like what, what is this? Right, right, right. Um, Absolutely 100% agree with everything you said. Um, Like you said, there are some key appointments that are happening right now or that have happened in just the past few months that are major. Like you said, the CFDA they just named a black woman president of the CFDA. Got natural hair. That's natural huge. Hair too. Yes, Cassandra yeah. Diggs, huge, huge. Um, Lindsay People Peoples Wagner. Oh, she returned to New York Magazine. She was the editor in chief of Teen Vogue. She's now back at New York Magazine as editor in chief. Huge, absolutely huge appointment. And she also is the co-founder of the Black and Fashion Council. So huge appointment. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of major things. And like I said, the past few months, but even in the past, like, you know, I think of the past year, like Julie Wilson going to Cosmo and becoming the beauty director there. Um, I mean, amazing. Harper's Bazaar naming their first black editor in chief. Wild, wild. (laughs) So, right. We can keep going and going, right. We can keep going. I mean, I mean, there's so much greatness that has happened in the industry, the fashion industry, and particularly even with like, we just said editorial appointments. Um, but I will also say, um, as someone who, you know, has worked at various places, a lot of times I have been 
the only black woman in the room. And so with that being said, I think it's just very important that in addition, like these, these appointments are major, they are major, but I think it's just really important that representation is happening across the board. That it's not just one person being like promoted or being put in this position and the rest of the, you know, the rest of the makeup of that workforce doesn't reflect what it should. So, um, and just, and I think additionally, right now, there is a magnifying glass on the fashion industry and everyone is watching every single move that every fashion player is making. So right now it is, it is on brand and on trend to, you know, um, do this, you know, and to promote diversity. So I think for me, I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible what's happening right now. I just want to ensure that all of these major fashion players are doing this for the long haul that there's a whole overhaul all overhaul happening and that they're ensuring that there's black representation at all levels within the company that they're you know ensuring that their roster and their vendors reflect that you know that they're ensuring that there's representation in their imagery like it, there's so many levels to it and quite honestly i think the fashion industry has a responsibility to meet this you know, to, to, to lead the charge in this. If they have a responsibility <laughs> to lead the charge. And so I think it's just, I just, I just want and hope that it's all coming from a genuine place and that this is the beginning of a huge shift for the industry. Um, I love that. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And I think that, you know, all of us just, you know, across the board are going to have to work together to, con- you know, to continue and, and, and sustain this. And I, I do hope that there are support systems in place at these organizations to ensure that the decisions that are being made from the new appointees are actually being, you know, uh, revered and, and followed through <laughs> the <Absolutely>. respect <laughs> yes, that, that their voices are being heard. Yes. That they are getting seats at the table, that they are being paid equitably to their counterparts that are non-black. There are so many elements to it. And I think that all of that is key. Um, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we still have a ways to go. We got a ways to go. Yes. yes. But we're making progress. (laughs) That is is the positive thing is that we're making progress and we're, we are seeing it happen. You know, we're seeing it happen. Um, so yeah, what I want to see happen is um, Fashion Week in February of 2022, because I know that's going to be popping. <laughs> it's so funny as you say that. I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, actually, I could see because I was going to say September 2021 yeah, no. is not happening. No. That's not happening. No. But as you say that, I'm like, you know what? February 2022, that could be the beginning of the next like in person. I'm ready. I am ready to see it. It'll I'm be interesting. <laughs> but I think regardless, I think that now that all these designers and brands have like focused on the digital components, I think the digital component, not saying that will be like the primary yeah. way to, you know, uh, release and introduce these collections. But I think that's going to be a huge component now, regardless if we go back For to sure. shows. And it it really does expand the viewership and access, mm-hmm. which I think is is important. You know, Absolutely. so it's, that way you can tap into the buyers and you know all the editors, et cetera, in real time with these, you know, experiences, and then broadcast broadcast that out, and then make your products available in real time. And who knows, maybe we'll see some virtual reality in there. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless for how the, you know, fashion weeks can change. It's, I mean, it's so, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I'm excited. I can't wait to see your outfits. I can't wait to see everyone in 2022. I know. I know. (laughs) It's like, it's, 
I can't wait. Oh, I can't believe we're still in this, but we're still in this. We're still in this. We're still in this. Until then, it's like beauty game is going to have to be on lock. I'm a little casual today, but oh my god, you, you well, know, you I look beautiful. Like, just put on a red lip. Yes. You um, look but but I, I I have to I have to switch gears here and okay. get into it really quickly. Oh Lord, I'm so sick. you. Oh my God, no! So you've recently launched your consulting business. Um, where did the inspiration come from behind this? Like, what's what was the driving force between the shift? Um, yes. So I probably for the past I would say three four years I've been thinking about launching like my own thing and just um using my skill set and my years of expertise and my insider knowledge working in the industry I've like always thought like I could really like you know help people like launch and help people you know develop like their editorial direction for their brands and help them like write their content like I've always felt that I could do that and I was like I really need to turn this into like my own business to help, um, help brands and help people that are trying to launch brands. Um, but I honestly, to be completely honest, I was operating on fear and that is why I did not launch and did not make any moves up until this point. Um, but I had multiple friends mention to me how, why don't you start your own thing? You know, you could like do your own thing. I've had so many people say that to me over the years. And I, like, I knew that deep down inside but for whatever reason, I was operating on fear of actually trying to do it. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. And so it was, it basically was like a switch went off. And once I kind of started operating in faith, it was like, absolutely. Wow. I can do this. Like, you know, um, and I realized that over the years, so, well, actually, I'm just going to say in the past year alone, um, I have a friend who started an event um, an event, uh, planning company. Um, and like, she reached out to me before her website went live and was like, can you copy edit it for me? Can you check everything? Can you let me know what you think? I love your opinion, et cetera, et cetera. So I essentially, you know, she's my host girlfriend. Of course I did it for her. Um, I have another friend who's like in the process of starting a skincare, um, line and, she reached out to me to like get my feedback on like the product names, to get mm. my feedback on the packaging, to get my feedback on like her social media profile, to get yes. to uh, ask me about the website. And then, you know, it was one of those moments, I think just over time, I'm like, people are already reaching out to me for mm. my expertise. Why am I, I not turning this into an opportunity to help? Others, like obviously, yeah. I, if a friend calls me and asks me for for help, I'm gonna say yes in a heartbeat. But I was like, I could be helping so many more people. Um, just like I said, based on the insider knowledge I have, based on the writing, you know, skills I have, and the editorial um, the products you've seen. My goodness, the products <laughs> I've seen, the things that I know have caught my eye, and the things that I'm like, I pass over and don't even look wow. at again. Um, you know, so I was just like, I could really use this. And like consult for, you know, like I said, I'm sending like, people your way, Crystal. I already am like, okay, let me send. <laughs> please do. It's true. There's so many people, like things that you're just like, oh, you know, things you typically do, or, you know, you've always done in the industry. You're just like, oh, you just do this, this, and this. And they're like, what? With that being <laughs> said, I remember when I first was um, showing my sister, like I literally, one day I was like, I was like, can we set up a zoom call? Like there's something I want to run by you. And she's like, okay. You know, like she didn't know what I, what I was going to show her. And so we set, we literally like set up a calendar invite for a zoom call, me and my sister. I love um, but she, she's a lawyer. She's like a shareholder at her firm. So you do have to get on her calendar. If you want to, I love it. You have to get on her calendar. Yeah. So I scheduled this call with her and then like, um, I was like, yeah, I was like, well, I have something to show you. I'm going to share my screen. So I share my screen. And mind you, it's literally like a template. It's in beta form. It hasn't even been published. And so I'm showing her and she was like, wait. She was like, wait, what? Like, wait, wait, hold on. And she was like, so then she goes, she said, you did this? I was like, yeah, I did it. My I was like, yeah, I did it myself. She was like, 
you created this site yourself? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, you basically just started a business. I was like, I guess that's that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, yes. And sisters are honest. They will tell oh, you. She would have told me if she thought it looked crazy or like, girl, I don't know about this idea. She would have told me in 2.2 seconds. Oh, so the fact that. that like it was positive feedback and she was, and she was actually impressed. I was like, I "I think I'm on to something. Right. And so then a few (laughs) days later, my best friend and I, um, we are always like texting, like at all hours of day, night, morning, et cetera. And we were both up early one morning and I was like, oh, let me, I was like, I was like, I think I have my site where I want it to be. Can I, can we jump on like a quick FaceTime or whatever? And I'll show you. And same thing. I showed it to her and she was like, she was like, you did this yourself. (laughs) I love it. You're like, hello, people. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, like how, what, what helped you to make the leap and officially say, so you have the, you, you, you have the faith. You were like, okay, I'm being like imposter syndrome. Like mm-hmm. I actually know how to do this. Mm-hmm. You have your family and your friends who are like, this is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Now the step on actually pitching to, you know, the company, getting the clients, mm-hmm. like how, how does one put themselves out there like that? Like, how do you get those clients to come on in? Um, well, I am hoping that it will primarily be word of mouth. I think word of mouth is the best marketing to be honest with you. So I am hoping between my network of friends my Howard network. Hey, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> sorry guys. How many times have we done that? Probably like three times. Probably, yeah. Like three times. <laughs> sorry, but not sorry. Oh, Hampton, don't come for us. Right. Oh my God. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't come it. for us. Do not try it. Um, and so, yeah. So for me, I really think it's going to be word of mouth. I'm hoping that, like I said, between my own friend network, and my Howard network and hopefully my AKA network and, yes. and, and my, and my industry network. I'm yes. just hoping that, you know, naturally people will be like, Oh, Crystal can help you start that site. Crystal can help you write your bio. Absolutely. Crystal and I, I think you've proven, you know, just yeah. you've proven yourself, um, working hard, you know, getting the results and like being phenomenal at what you do. I think people in the industry respect that. And they see that and they don't forget that. Exactly. They never forget. <laughs> Absolutely. They do not forget. No, it's a small, it's a small circle. So it's exactly. like, you really have to uh, pay attention and, and just do your best and integrity. Integrity and is very important. It's very <laughs> important in this industry. Cause like you said, people don't forget. Um, and that, and that's something I feel like I pride myself on is, you know, being intentional in every decision I make and, um, you know, and staying true to who I am. And making sure my voice is heard when I don't agree with something and the way it's going. Um, so yeah, because like you said, that's your integrity, like that's your character. Um, so what services are you offering, Crystal? What's on the menu? What what are if someone's going to you or if someone wants to connect with you and your business, like what what's going on? What's on the table? Well, I am off- offering custom services so we can literally develop you know, you can let me know what you need and we can develop a package based on what you, you know, what you need, but also copywriting, content strategy, editing, proofreading. I can help you with research. Um, SEO. I can What's help SEO, you. Crystal. What does the Search SEO mean? Optimization. And what does that do? That basically ensures that you are shown in their search results when people Google you. So get you to the site. <laughs> yeah. You want to show up high in the results, you know, when you, so you want to use, well, I'm like, look, I'm giving, I'm giving. Yeah, I know. Wait, wait, you gotta, you gotta contact Crystal to get the service, but it's right. so important. You know. <laughs> it's truly an art. It is. I mean, there's so many websites. There's so much digital content yes. that it's easy for your site or information to get lost. Mm-hmm. And, and really SEO is like an art form. It's an so art once form you crack that code and you have the art in place, like mm-hmm. 
it helps absolutely i can't wait yay thank you thanks so much i can't wait either we're gonna put we're gonna put all of your info in the show notes so that you know if you guys want to connect with crystal and her amazing services she really is a phenomenal uh, person both personally and professionally one of the coolest people you'll ever meet and just so smart so we'll definitely you you know you are girl you know you are it's true it's true it's true so you know this is a fashion moment crystal yeah so we 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 always ask our guests at the end of each interview what is your favorite fashion moment of all time It, it doesn't have to be the favorite but a favorite moment well I am going to have to go with a very recent moment um, because I think it it was so, it was such a huge moment, I think, for the American fashion industry. Oh my God, um, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, inauguration day, Kamala Harris and first lady, Jill Biden. Um, the fact that Kamala Harris wore a black designer the night before inauguration, Pyre Moss. The fact that she wore Christopher John Rogers on the morning that she was inaugurated to be our vice president of the United States, a black designer. And the fact that she, that evening, wore Sergio Hudson, Uh, a black designer, to the inaugural concert, inauguration concert. It was such a pivotal, pivotal moment for American fashion. And I think it represented a shift in the fashion industry um, and a shift in who we're really going to be, you know, advocating and promoting going into this new era of fashion. And even First Lady Jill Biden, you know, she wore an emerging designer. Yes, Jill. Yes, yes, Jill. You know, she wore an emerging designer that most people aren't super familiar with. It's actually a brand that, you know, uh, that I mean, it's, it's a very, you know, well, like, con- like the, the pieces are well constructed yes. and well done. But again, wasn't on my radar. It's like more so <laughs> emerging. Yeah. Designer. Oh, wait, I can't hear you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't know who it was either. Yeah, I was I like, wait, let me so Google. Weird. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Oh my God. That's so funny. It like went mute for a minute. That is so weird. Yeah. I, I was Googling it. Like, oh my God. Like, mm-hmm. who is this designer? Like I had never heard of them before i was shocked so yeah so that's why i'm saying so i I feel like it's it's a it's a shift in like the emerging designers like you know like the emerging designers getting their shine the designers of color the black designers i think it's you know i think that represented a huge shift in the fashion industry you know particularly the american fashion industry so I I love that. It, it was exciting to me to see that. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think it's just going to represent a lot of positive things for the industry. So, well, great. Crystal, that was absolutely wonderful. And we are thrilled to have you on the show and you are welcome back anytime. You let us know what's going on. Of course. Of course. Yes. If I have any updates, I'll keep you and also, <laughs> also, I think it might be fun to do like a little fashion rundown if something's going down. We may have to do like when the red carpets come yeah. back, you know, when oh the my, event. Oh my gosh. Fun, right? Like a fashion police moment? Oh my gosh. Sign me up. Rest in peace, Joan. We love you. Oh, Yes, I you do. So much. Yeah. I oh my gosh, I would absolutely love it. And you're right, like you said. I mean, it'll probably be at least another year. But when red carpet comes back, it'll probably come back in full force. Oh, that would be so much fun. So ready. So yes, you will be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Thank okay, you so I'm much. <laughs> yes, just let me know the date. I'll put it in my calendar. I will be there. Ah, uh, thank you so much, Crystal. Thanks so much for joining me for this week of a fashion moment. If you like what you hear, we'd love for you to join our community of listeners and spread the word about the show. We also want to hear from you. Share your favorite fashion moments and dream guests with us by sending an audio clip or email to a fashion moment podcast at gmail.com 
Or you can tag us on Instagram at a fashion moment and you could be featured on next week's episode. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and let us know what you think. Until then, see you next time for another fashion moment. Podcast production by Rebecca Rashid and John Taylor Williams. Digital media production by Megan Porras. This recording carries a Creative Commons 4.0 international license. Thanks to Patrick Patrickios for their song, Hot Coffee.